Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Josh Weller. And I am Alfie Brown. And this is Dirty Air. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. What? What? We recorded a podcast last week in your living room. You had three kids asleep who uh, all woke up yep. while we were recording. Yeah. And it was the hottest. We had to, have to, had to have the window shut. And we recorded this podcast and went, that was a good podcast. And I left your flat and I looked at my phone and chaos erupted the second after we finished recording. And it has not stopped um, as the week's gone on. It's insane. It's been a really good week for Formula One gossip bitches uh, like us to get our fix. <laughs> like lots of Formula One <laughs> nonsense drama. It's been really, really great to watch that all unfold. Give us a rundown of it. Let me. I'll do a quick rundown. I'm going to try to do it all in one breath like Ace Ventura. Okay. All right. Okay. So this is a butterfly. <laughs> it's a butterfly effect um, that starts with. Okay. So... Seb Vettel announces his retirement from Aston Martin with a video that was far too long in which he stated that his favourite colour was blue, a completely unnecessary thing for him to feature in the video announcing his retirement, swiftly followed by Alonso announcing his move to Aston Martin for next year. Then Alpine announced Piastri as their new driver, which Piastri swiftly turns around and says, fuck you Alpine, I'm not racing for you. And then it looks like now McLaren are about to announce Piastri, triggering a break clause to buy out Daniel Ricciardo, meaning that they'll have to give Daniel Ricciardo $20 million for him to leave the sport, which might mean that Danny Rick will go back to Alpine. This is why Neighbours got cancelled. Uh, yeah. Why we don't we don't need soap operas anymore. Yeah. We okay, don't need okay, them. Okay. Okay. Real I, I, life is a soap opera. It sounded like a bit of a mental leap at first, but now it makes uh, perfect sense. They uh, Alonso has signed for Aston Martin. Yes, which is great for um, Aston Martin. On a <laughs> on a multi year contract. Like, that is... How is he maintaining himself? How is he doing this? How is he uh, ageing in this way? It's like whatever the racing car equivalent of Dorian Gray is, that's what Alonso is. DeLorean Gray. He's DeLorean (laughs) Gray. I said on Twitter this week that we should just call Formula One the Kardashians. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Mate, Alonso is... He's going to get a bus pass while he's in... F1. <laughs> he, he's going to be able to take the bus for free to his Formula One weekends. Yeah, they're going to have to do... You know how they take the um, the halo off? He They could make something so the halo, when it comes out, is also a Zimmer frame to aid him <laughs> from car to inevitable podium that he will still be able to pick up into his uh, into the autumn of his life. Let's get into this. Seb Seb's retirement we didn't really talk about last week because we had a race to go into. That video was ridiculous. That black and white video where he talks about how his favorite color is blue. He looked like um 
uh, Johnny Burrell from Razorlight. You remember that band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With better teeth, yeah. I'm alive. Watching America. It's a good song. The Boy with the Golden Touch. Girl. Girl with the Golden Touch. No, but Sebastian Vettel is The Boy with the Golden Touch. Or at least was. Okay, so talk me through how you think that phone call went between Lawrence Stroll. I just think Lawrence Stroll doesn't know. He's too old to know any young drivers. You know, like how my dad still thinks that Goldeneye was the most recent Bond film. <laughs> hey, lads, have you heard? We got <laughs> we got Fernando Alonso in. <laughs> you know Fernando, don't you? World champion. <laughs> hey, Papa. Hey, Papa. Who's going to be replacing Sebastian next year? <laughs> well, we got, you know, Fernando, don't you? It's like <laughs> we got we got the best of the best. We get like yeah. when your mum doesn't realize she got you like oh it's she thought the FIFA that she bought you was this year's one but actually it came out. <laughs> it's like my my dad recently just went. I got a new laptop. I went to the shop round the corner, the the Apple outlet, and I got a, a twenty twelve MacBook Pro for five hundred quid. What a great deal! Oh my <laughs> like, god, no, dad, dad. You've been you've been screwed. You've been screwed over. There are a few things and I find more <laughs> heartbreaking than stories like that. And Lo- Lawrence would have been so proud of himself as well. Hey, look, Lance, come into the sitting room. I got a Fernando Alonso to show you. <laughs> Listen, there are few people in the world who had a better week than Lawrence Stroll's young wife this week. I made the deal, baby. Oh, yeah? Who's coming, Daddy? Come and lie on the chaise long with me, sweetheart. Daddy just made a big deal. Um, All of a sudden, she's like, I think I'm going to come to the race this weekend. (laughs) You know what we should do? You know, because the team's a family. It's not a family. It's a business. No, it's kind of a family. We should invite we should invite Fernando to to our chalet for the, you know, the weekend of uh, middle of August. I'm doing business in you know Fernando that day. Fernando's actually a qualified uh, personal trainer, and he said that he could uh, <laughs> just show me a few things. He could tell from the way I'm walking that I'm offsetting a lot of the weight into my right knee, <laughs> and that he can fix that for me with some basic stretches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is no way on God's green earth that Fernando Alonso is not going to seduce Lawrence Stroll's wife. It's as inevitable. As uh, McLaren being uh, announcing Piastri. Yes, and 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 there and therein lies another twist in this ongoing plot, this drama. How do you think the phone call went between Lawrence? Who made that call? Do you think Alonso called him and was like, "Hey, Lawrence, I got a deal of a lifetime for you. I am Fernando Alonso. You killed my father." What is the line? What's the line from the Princess Bride? My name is Fernando Alonso. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> Prepare to drive. <laughs> do you think Lawrence? Do you think Lawrence called um, Alonso or Alonso called Lawrence? I don't. I think that Fernando Alonso's uh, finding of new seats as he enters his later years happens by a process of sort of just osmosis. I think he probably just went and sat in one of the cars and said to somebody, "I'm here now," and it and it just happened. <laughs> Like they, like the the Aston Martin crew came into work one morning, and, and he, he was, was just in the garage, wearing the overalls. That I don't know if you noticed from the photo where they announced it, but the overalls were so big on Alonso. 
because yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. It, it was someone else's they were just like yeah you know like in ghostbusters 2 when um rick moranis puts on the like egon yeah, yeah. suit and it's way too big for him yeah lawrence okay. is actually saying uh, okay fernando you gotta wear mine i'm afraid get into daddy's overalls <laughs> okay so then alpine announced piastri and the the way that this broke down is there was a there's obviously a contract clause like that they have the option for Piastri, which if they don't announce by August first, the option is the is, is the contract breaks. And Mark Webber, who is um, multi twenty one Red Bull ex Formula One driver, who is is the manager of Piastri, which in itself is amazing. That's amazing that they just sat back. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Webber took Alonso aside. And just was like, all right, mate, listen, can you announce that you're going to Eston Martin at midnight on July 31st? <laughs> because it'll drive everyone into panic and they won't know what the fuck is going on because you'll be leaving Alpine and Otmar half an hour, right? He won't know what the fuck to do and it'll break the contract clause and I'll give you 20% of the earnings. They just oceaned 11s. Yeah. Alpine, basically. There must, it must be that this was choreographed this is all too completely perfect the symmetry of all of these events it's like one of those uh when it, you know when people are all sat around a round table and the camera goes really quickly but then it goes really slowly and then that ocean's 11 ding 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 that like they're coming up with the plan yeah 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 like, they're going to have Yuki Tsunoda in a box somewhere who's going to break into a safe. My my memory of Ocean's Eleven is failing me at this point, but... Uh... Because he was the Japanese guy in Ocean's Eleven. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> so then Piastri turns around and goes, you can go fuck yourself, Airpin. You head till August 1st. You don't want to dance with me then? You can't fucking dance with me now. Even though that was he was the reserve driver for that team. So they've trained him. He's a junior Renault junior driver, right? So they've trained him up. They've given him the keys to the car, but not on a permanent basis. And then they've gone, you can come with us next year. And he's waited intentionally to absolutely rut them at the first opportunity to do it. I wonder why, though. What's the great advantage for him? The difference between Alpine and McLaren, it's not like the difference between Coke and Pepsi. It's it's Diet Coke and Coke Zero. It's like, they're fine. They're both the same drink. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> The advantage you get from being a part of the McLaren team is not, you know, there's been many races where Alpine have had much more pace than McLaren. Yeah. And then everybody seems to get so invested in, every, everybody when they join a team go, well, we're really excited about the project here. Like Seb, when he went to Aston Martin, it was all about the project and he was going to engineer the car and he was going to build it himself and make it brilliant. And he was going to be, you know, like your handsome uncle twatting away in his shed for ages with his Formula One car, trying to make it the best car you've ever seen. And then you get taken away with this these stories of uh, these drivers going, well, I'm just so excited about the project. And then you go, oh, well, it's, the project's pretty cool at Renault or wherever it is. Cyril and Danny seem to be very excited about the project. And then it just fucking fritters and way into absolutely nothing. Anyway, that must have been a hard day for the people at Aston Martin when they go, oh, my God, Seb Vettel's, you know, he's a genius at like building the cars in the teams. And he because he built obviously he built it with Red Bull four championships. And then he went to Ferrari and he really helped the car was a, it was a championship contender in 2018. I can't believe we've got Sebastian Vettel, the Ferrari driver. And then he comes in on that first day and goes, does anyone know what hemp is? <laughs> What you do, 
What are you doing throwing away that apple core? Give it here. Stick it in the compost pile. We can, we, we can grow a tomato vine with that. What are you doing? Hey, hey, listen. I see you. I see you throwing away that chicken carcass. Boil those bones down. We'll make a nice noodle soup. <laughs> this is the thing. The downfall of McLaren is really what this story is. Is that McLaren was, for me, McLaren is a team that obviously went from Senna to Alonso just screaming bloody murder in that orange car that was like a tractor with no wheels, right? Mm. And then they went away and they got Zach Brown and they went, oh my God, no, we're going to be the best team in the world. We're the best team in the world now. Yeah. And and they're not. And the shine is starting to, is starting to wear off. And I'm starting to lose my... Uh, belief or patience that they are the brilliant team that they say they are they're not they're just relying on their brand heritage it's like when blink 182 puts out a new album and you're like oh it's going to be like all the small oh no it's not no it's just a man talking about the second world war over a drum beat brilliant (laughs) um i the willingness for certain teams to rely on their heritage mclaren and ferrari mclaren essentially being just a, a a shit Ferrari uh, with all of this promise and all of this entitlement. Yeah, we're McLaren. We should be doing pretty brilliantly. And it's hard to know what happens to good drivers in bad teams or teams who are underperforming (laughs) like this. I'm just bored of this. And when do drivers, I mean, that's why I'm so interested with Ferrari is when do drivers just going to stop believing that, oh, you know, I love, I wanted to go drive a Ferrari because they're a historic team why that you, yeah. they haven't like they've been selling you this bullshit for 10 15 years and it's been bollocks it's been bollocks for years so when do people just stop buying it we should have honest f1 team slogans mclaren a shit ferrari <laughs> ferrari it's bollocks <laughs> it's bollocks. mercedes mercedes remember 2020 yeah mercedes would just be a gravestone wouldn't it they would just say 2016 or 2015 to 2020 that's all it would say a gravestone with a picture of a dolphin on it yeah williams would just say sorry <laughs> <laughs> here's what's going to happen at alpine so you know when your mate breaks up with their girlfriend or boyfriend and you think that their girlfriend or boyfriend is mental, but they've been in this this nightmare relationship for a long time, and finally they break they break up, and you say to your mate, "Oh my god, I'm so glad you're out of that. That person was crazy. You're so l- lucky to get out of this." And then two weeks later, you find out they got back with them. Yeah, but you've said your part. Yeah, and you have to just go, "Oh, great." And That's you- what it's going to be like if Danny goes back to Alpine. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. He might go back, and he's going to have to be like, "Oh, hey guys, hey." How's it going? I am so sorry. Sorry I took all that money and then left. Did a little fucky offy, didn't I? Well, let's forget about that. <laughs> huh? Let's just get back. Let's just get back in the car. Let's just get back in the car. Pretend none of that happens. Let's put on some, uh, let's put on some motorhead and just forget about all this, huh? <laughs> See, this is why Neighbours was cancelled, to conclude. The soap opera Formula One. I do object to them calling it silly season. It's just, I don't understand what silly, it's, it's actually all very mean-spirited and backstabby. Silly, silly season would be if the drivers suddenly, they went, okay, this race, we're going to put Sonic the Hedgehog-style gold rings on the track. Mm. And whoever has the most gold rings at the end, that would be a silly season. Yeah. Yeah, where Ted Brundle, like, uh, the, the, where they only have... Um, Ted, Ted, Ted Brundle. What did I... What's his name? Martin Brundle. You said Ted, Brun- oh. said Ted Brundle. 
to be fair, of all the people that I'm getting mixed up, I feel like I, I'm amazed that you even mentioned it. I think that I think that I should just be allowed to Martin Kravitz and Ted Brundle, and who cares? For years, we would watch F1, and before Ted Brundle became the sort of cool Alan Partridge uncle, the meme lord of F1. For years, every time we'd watch F1 and they'd go to, to Ted's opinion, we'd be watching the TV and we would both look at each other and in unison go, oh, fuck off, Ted. Fuck off, Ted. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> fuck off, Ted. But he's come full circle. He's, 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 he's had his Britney head-shaving moment and he's come through the eye of a storm and now the man is a legend. Like a kitsch. He's sort of having his Louis Theroux moment, isn't he? There's going to be like uh, fit kind of 23-year-old art students with... Uh, Martin Brundle t-shirts on. <laughs> um, okay, so it's the summer break. And uh, as we well know, the Formula One brand is taking a much needed uh, holiday. Um, but we're not at Dirty Air because we know that you need your juice, your F1 juice every week. So we're here keeping you entertained. <laughs> um, but it did get me thinking on what the drivers would be doing um, with their summer break. So um, we've compiled a list of what every driver is doing on their summer break. Yes. Starting at the back of the grid, Nico Hülkenberg, um, who is in the championship still, um, although he's now at the back. I have Nico Hülkenberg for his summer break. He's um, he's visiting landmarks all around the world. Yep. But the other landmark. So he's not gone to the Eiffel Tower in Paris. He's gone to the one in Vegas. Okay. <laughs> he's gone to the Taj Mahal in Latin America. Yeah. Because he's the stand-in guy. He's like, he's the replacement guy. So, okay. so he's gone to see all the replacement monuments. So as best befits his standing in Formula One, he has decided to holiday in a way that he feels best represents his standing in Formula One. I really exactly. Like that. And it's good you said that because because that's going to lead into quite a lot of what these drivers might be doing on their summer vacations. OK. <laughs> um, Nicholas Latifi. What do you think he's doing? Come on. We both know what he's doing. Go on. What is it? Which which one is it? Rather, we all know what he's doing. But what? But which one of what he's doing is he doing? He's bought an L-shaped sofa. Yeah. Oh, I love an L-shaped sofa. Latifi is sat on his L-shaped sofa and a light year just premiered on Disney Plus. Um, so that's probably his movie of the summer. But my thing with Latifi is I don't think Buzz and Woody are his favourite characters. I think it's the lesser characters. You know, he's like, hey, you know, I really like in Toy Story, the best character. You know, that squidgy penguin with a with a with a with a keeps losing his voice. (laughs) That one. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, He's the best. He's the I know he's at the back of the sort of grid of the characters. I think he probably uh, has a lot of uh, empathy for the. Uh, dinosaur. I can imagine Latifi having some quite kind of dinosaur in Toy Story esque moments. Oh no, <laughs> I'm in the barriers again. <laughs> How did I do? Did I do okay? I feel like everybody hates me. <laughs> um, Latifi, I think, is going to have some arguments on that L shaped sofa with his girlfriend. I think that might be the beginning of the end because the thing about an L shaped sofa is to anybody who's not on the L, it's just a fucking sofa, isn't it? <laughs> I thought you were going to say that his girlfriend was like, listen, we've been invited to like the, the premiere of this new watch. Why don't we go out and be on the red carpet and be papped and be seen? New watch. And he's, no, 
no. He's like, no, what are you talking about? There's a Predator sequel on Disney Plus called Prey. It's got 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. No, I can't go there. That's an audience rating of 82% and famously audience ratings kind of are very mean to franchises. And this one has 82 So I think we should watch it. We, we don't need to go to the premiere when we can <laughs> stay home and just cuddle. Famously, audience ratings are very mean to franchises. <laughs> I have no doubt that that's true. And it just, it speaks to your character that you know that. it's Albon. Albon, yeah. He's just gone to this, like, you know when someone has just discovered what sex is? Yeah. You know, and they just want to do it all the time. And they're like, oh my God, we've been doing sex. We've been doing all these positions. I think he's just in like a tiki hut somewhere, just having sex all the time. That's all he's doing. Like a little Duracell bunny. <laughs> like, a, like a dog humping your leg. Nice. I think that he'd really suit, and I don't know why I think this, but this is where I see Alban. I think he's going to spend his summer working uh, at the frozen banana stand for the Bluth Company. <laughs> From Arrested Development. Yeah. I think he's... <laughs> He's got exactly the right demeanour to be a perfect fit for that sitcom. That kind like of, a non-talking part. Yeah, yeah. Just like a weird yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of timidity of a ma- the little boy who works on the frozen banana stand. Who's next? Stroll. Uh-oh. You know, um, in, in Kick-Ass, the, the kid, the, the, the bad guy's kid who just wants to sit in on all the gangster meetings. Mm-hmm. And he's like, can I come to work with you today, Dad? He's like, no, go to school. That's what Lance is doing. He's on the yacht with his collar popped. Mm-hmm. And then Lawrence goes away to do business and Lance um, stays on the boat and has a house party. Mm-hmm. But he ha- he spends the whole house party trying to get people to keep the boat clean and tidy because his dad will know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's trying yeah. to do something cool and it's backfired. Yeah, yeah. And then they spend at the end of the house party uh, trying to drive the boat backwards to get the mileage down, like in the end of Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Lance is having this existential breakdown about his relationship with his father as this yacht goes round Monaco backwards, desperately trying to get the miles down. Go, I'm going, I'm going, I'm go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> uh, Joe, uh, Joe Grant, where do you, Joe, my lovely? Nice. Um, I've just got him in Australia. Okay. Because it's on the up- <laughs> Just having a really great time. I think. What do you think yeah. he's seen? I think he'll probably go down. He'd probably spend a bit of time in Perth. Go down to Margaret River. Do some of the wine tasting mm-hmm. down there. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. country. Uh, go and Drink stop a off flat white. One of the deserted beaches. Yeah, Melbourne. Sample the coffee culture. Uh, Sydney. Sydney Harbour Bridge. Um, the zoo. Uh, yeah, I know you'll have a great time. Maybe go to Orange and uh, see the old town hall there. Uh, my logic is that Australia is. Um is in the upside down bit of the world. Yeah. Which is where... Um, he spent so much time in that race. In his car. Yeah, okay. Yeah, upside down. <laughs> his car is down under, so he should be too. Nice, nice. There was there was logic behind it. I like, the, I like, I just like the idea that some of these are just nice thoughts about where they might like to spend time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Yuki Tsunoda's on a cooking course. Great. Tell me why. Because he loves cooking. However, Yuki Tsunoda strikes me <laughs> as the kind of guy who thinks he's a good cook. Okay. But yeah. is actually fucking terrible. Yeah, he's yeah, actually yeah. a bad cook. He seems like the kind of guy that will come into the room and go, uh, this is a goat's cheese and marzipan soup. <laughs> Prawns 
and so many spices and he doesn't and he doesn't really have the patience to measure he just has all the uh, the, the herb uh, and, uh, and and spice mix is crusted around the prawn and burnt ever so slightly but he was so enthusiastic about where he went to the spice shop just off Portobello Road to get all the right stuff he'll buy a really nice piece of meat but then he'll broil it. <laughs> give him a cooking show. Just give him like F1. F1, if you're listening to this, let us come to the paddock one day. We'll bring all the oils and the hobs and we'll have a cook-off with Yuki Sonoda, mm. right? And we'll have an unbiased judge named Nikita Mazepin who'll come in and he'll taste <laughs> the foods. And and if if I win, I get a seat. Yeah. We would have, yeah, yeah, okay. We might end up with a lot of polonium 210 in our food if we end up inviting Nikita Mazepin to the... Um, <laughs> Mick Schumacher. Yeah. Uh, military fight school. Cool. <laughs> cool. I'm not going to elaborate. Seb Vettel. <laughs> Do you want to know why he's at military fight school? Uh, in a way, yeah. Because he got so angry the other week. Oh yeah. When when he after his points and he got and he, he it's the first time you've seen him look like you know like angry like Belgium ninety eight Michael Schumacher yeah. looking for David Coulthard when he wanted to fucking ram his fist yeah. through David Coulthard's giant jaw yeah um, he's gonna come back on a like a August twenty eighth with a new look in his eye he's gonna be going this is my car there are many like it but this one is mine. <laughs> He can dismantle and put together his car completely blindfolded in 90 seconds. <laughs> his helmet's going to be camo. Yeah, that would be cool. Have you seen that French film, Raw? No, I've not, Josh. It's about a girl who um, accidentally eats a bit of human flesh and gets a bloodlust for it and becomes a cannibal. And uh, I think that that's what Mick Schumacher's like with his rage now. Yeah. He's tasted it. He's tasted it and now he just wants blood. Yeah, I completely, I'm on board with you there. Thank you for telling me. I'm glad you elaborated. Seb Vettel, for Seb Vettel's summer break, um, to offset his carbon footprint, Seb Vettel will be spending the entire summer break sitting alone in a room with the lights off collecting rainwater. <laughs> I reckon he'll be prepping for his retirement. I reckon he'll buy some of those kind of old like tartan slippers with no backs. Uh, he'll have bought a pipe. He'll have bought some property with some land for him to till. He'll till. He's gonna. He's gonna till a lot of land. I think. What have you? Hey, Seb. Wow. What have you been doing? Mainly tilling. <laughs> Just chewing on a piece of what? Are, what do people in the countryside like a, chew on? Hey, like a long, long bit of yeah, whatever hay, that is. Whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. Or a bit of wheat. Pierre Gasly. Uh, he's judging um, the Mister Universe contest. <laughs> really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Their their buttocks are disgusting, aren't they? Their but their Mister Universe buttocks because they all you, they stop being round and they start being these sort of flat, kind of crinkled, uh, like textured. It looks like a kind of map of the Pennines. They're just awful, <laughs> awful bottoms. These Mister Universes. I can see Gasly when he retires, which won't be for many years, you hope. Uh, but I can see him getting absolutely fucking enormous. Like he yeah. got finally, I'm not in F1 anymore, so I can dedicate myself to a life spent becoming fucking enormous. But the problem, the danger of that is that you then, if you stop working out once you've got that big, then you're just that guy in the restaurant who's 
wearing a shirt and it looks like the neck is trying to escape from the shirt <laughs> yeah you become that guy and you're like is that guy buff or what's going on under there yeah, yeah, yeah. danny is just deep in negotiations to stay in f1 <laughs> <laughs> kevin magnuson i've got here is uh, wh- wherever he is whatever he's doing he's sending the wine back do you think that kevin magnuson is a send the wine back kind of guy yeah i think k mag is very much a wine sender backer yeah a hundred percent. He's got. He'll s- order a really nice bottle and go. Mm. No, sorry, that's corked. He's got such a cute little face, though. He has a, a, a little kind of woodland animal type vibe to him. I think. Yeah, but those people, they have to feel powerful somehow, don't they? They have to. Those little men. Okay, I'll, I'll trust you. If anyone has ever waited on Kevin Magnuson, who listens to this podcast. Let, write us in and let us know if he was a wine sender please backer. let us know if he's a wine sender backer you know when people taste wine and they go hmm no yeah yeah when they're getting ready to talk bollocks no sorry that's corked it's a screw top when people say it's corked people don't say it's corked anymore they just go that's no good <laughs> Alonso I just have um, as making love yeah from the minute the summer break like in the Flintstones when he clocks out and slides down the dinosaur leg or, or the Simpsons mm-hmm. uh, Alonso Fernando Alonso, he's the greatest guy in history. He is at the foot of my bed. He's about to start fucking me. <laughs> uh, Bottas is. Uh, do you have anything for Bottas? Valtteri Bottas. No, I can't. I don't. <laughs> I've got Bottas. Um, Bottas has started a Sex in the City style blog. That's really nice. If, uh, if I cue up the music, the Sex and City music, it's he does this thing where you hear the typing. Tick, 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 tick. Love is a funny thing. One day you're married, thinking you're happy, trying for a baby, but inside you're miserable. Then your marriage ends, and you think life can never be good again. And then you meet a girl. You're outside a deli, you're buying a baguette on an idle Tuesday. <laughs> Esteban Ocon is at Computer Camp Next Yes, he's gone to a Minecraft coding camp <laughs> But he's lying about it So his friends call him and he's like Hey, yeah, no, I'm just on a yacht With uh, some supermodels mm. Just hear someone in the background No, MS-DOS No, that's a DJ There's a DJ here <laughs> called MS-DOS <laughs> Lando Norris is, um, I've got Lando Norris down as like, he's got, his parents are worried, so they bought in Super Nanny. That's brilliant. So that's a bit too much noise, a bit too much volume. Lando, we're going to need you to sit on the step, okay? We're going to need you to sit on the step, Lando, (laughs) until you can learn to behave yourself, because this is not your parents' responsibility to be having to tell you off all the time, okay? You need to learn some discipline, Lando. Go and sit on the naughty step, okay? That's, I'm trying to do her voice with... Like, I must have been years since I've heard her talk, but for some reason that's exactly in my brain what I think. I think that was exactly right, yeah. yeah. Lewis. I've just got Lewis. Is just He's just backstage at a Drake gig asking the assistants for ridiculous stuff. Just uh, like, hey, can I, um, can I have a camel? Is Drake who he'd be at? Yeah, I think he's at a Drake gig. Everybody loves Drake. Yeah, yeah, except I don't, I don't get it. No, I don't get it either. Drake, Drake's just, he's just a bit, I, I don't, I, I think the the bar of, of what is considered genius in hip hop nowadays is, is has been lowered quite substantially. Is he a singer uh, though, or a rapper? What's he do? He's Canadian, he's from a very wealthy family, 
and but he pretends he's a gangster. Okay. And is he any relation to Vera Drake? Uh, no, but he is related to the Drake Duck family. <laughs> right, okay. Carlos Sainz is on a cliff solemnly watching the sunset. Yeah. <laughs> George Russell. I think that George Russell is exactly the sort of person who goes out shopping recreationally. Like for me, if I need to buy a pair of jeans, I go, oh God, I've got to go out and buy a pair of jeans. It's a nightmare. Whereas for him, I am. Hey, shall we go out shopping today? Like they go out yeah. shopping and they're the sort of people that you see with bags full of Harrods shit that they're never going to yeah, wear. Yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah, he's the kind of guy you'd see walking around with like seven yellow Selfridges bags. Yeah, yeah. Huge big even bags. Though the, even though the person at the till went, this will all fit in one bag, George. Actually, um <laughs> I'd like seven bags <laughs> if that's okay. <laughs> it would be mega if you could give me a bag for each like mega, absolutely <laughs> mega. I just want to thank everyone in the shop, all the girls and boys in the back of the shop, the ones who we don't see, putting in all the hard work to get all the clothes and items from the back of the shop to the front. They're really the ones doing all the hard work. They've been mega. Thank you. Um, I've got Perez is secretly uh, rhino hunting. Yeah, okay. I would have had him down. I think he's going to uh, like uh, learn uh, to salsa uh, so that he can more effectively seduce... Uh, <laughs> women on the boat next time he's there. Uh, that man has got no game. I think that's, yeah, that's why he'd be, but also, I mean, rhino hunting. The, from what you said, from what we said at the beginning about how uh, these people are doing things that sort of emblemize what their Formula One season has been like, you know, like Latifi and uh, Sonoda, they, they've, they've all had, and you went, oh yeah, my, all mine work like that. And now we've gotten to Perez who you've just, you've abandoned your format and you've decided that he's a hunter. <laughs> yeah, I think we're two years away from seeing uh, Sergio Perez in the same photograph as a dead giraffe. Yeah, yeah. All of them doing like, like they all do gang signs, don't they? Like gang, yeah. gang signs next to a dead giraffe. Um, Charles Leclerc is, um, <laughs> he's, you know that bit in The Graduate where uh, Dustin Hoffman's just alone in that swimming pool, uh, questioning yes. his existence? That. <laughs> <laughs> and great, because you know who soundtracked that movie? Who soundtracked The Graduate? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. I do. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. Was it Simon and Simon Garfunkel? Simon Simon yeah, which is amazing. We spent the whole of this season saying that Carlos is Garfunkling, and we were wrong. We were wrong. Ferrari are the Garfunkel. Ferrari are the great Garfunkel of the world. And finally, uh, Max Verstappen. I've got Max Verstappen is uh, watching uh, YouTube videos of people kissing in Paris, wondering what it must be like to feel love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's certainly on the right track. I imagine that he's one of the people that watches Twitch. Like Lando is obviously a Twitcher who is on Twitch, but I think Max just goes from Twitcher to Twitcher, getting banned for abusing the good nature of everybody. Like he's a he's a he's a Twitch troll. Uh, he's the kind of he's a, the anonymous person with the flat a Dutch flag. You look fat. Yeah, because <laughs> he's just trying to gauge. He doesn't know. He he's just trying to see how people will react. Yeah, yeah. He's just because he doesn't know how to be a human with emotions. He's poking life with a stick and seeing what happens. Before we clock off, um, it's a non-race week, which means um, we have a very special guest joining us this week. Every week that is a non-race week, we have guests from the Formula One paddock write us in with a blog of what a day in the life of their existence is when they're not 
on the Formula One track. What do they do on a week off? What do they do in between the races? And it's been a huge hit so far. We've had uh, Jos Verstappen uh, join us. Jos, who genuinely did block us on Instagram after the article came out. So clearly he um, he didn't like uh, how he had presented himself. We've since had Christian Horner, Lawrence Stroll, and ex-Formula One race director Michael Massey have all written in. We've had some amazing guests so far. I, I, um, I wrote on Instagram for people to uh, tell us who they wanted this week. And honestly, the reaction, the response that we get, the engagement is amazing. Please keep writing to us. We read all of them, all great suggestions. And I am delighted to announce that we have a very special guest this week uh, joining us for a day in the life of Lewis Hamilton's dog, Roscoe. Uh, Right. Uh, What's he written here? Okay. I rise every day at the foot of Lewis's bed. I heave my chops over to him and dole out some of my best stinking affection, only to realise once again that I'm at the foot of the bed of one of the many Lewis Hamilton lookalikes that Lewis has employed to sleep with me, to aid me in a peaceful rest. I trundle downstairs to Lewis, so excited to finally see the bastard. He thinks I don't know what he (laughs) smells like. My beautifully manicured nails click and clack against the herringbone floor, more and more rapidly as my excitement builds. Yeah, here he is. He pats my ribs and ruffles my jowls and says I'm a good boy. Yes, yes, I think. This is what it's all about. I wag my tail and nuzzle into him. He asks I'm ready for breakfast. You bet your bollocks I am, mate. He opens a tin and forks it into a bowl. It's no moo ragu. Carrot, courgette and pea protein. You fucking bastard, Lewis. Give me a corpse. There's barely time for me to finish before we get on a private jet to do a photo shoot for a climate change awareness campaign. A brief look about informs me that Lewis and I are not the only F1 stars here. Charles and Max are sat in their makeup chairs having their gormless fucking mugs powdered. I look up at Lewis and say, a lot of turd polishing going on here today, but it just comes out as woof, fuck's sake. We go over and say hello to the pair of them. Max smiles at me, but he's so awkward that all that comes out of his mouth is, dog, fuck's sake, mate. The three of them line up and Max suggests to the photographer that maybe because he is world champion, he should be in the middle. My old dad is the best driver of all time, you anemic little shit. Any more like that out of you and I'll cut your fucking Jacobs off. Lewis smiles, almost as if physically energised by the insecurity he inspires in others. We jet back home for some car testing. Lewis is drive so fucking fast, man. Knackers me just to watch. Sometimes my own insecurity gets the better of me. I think, why would the fastest man in the world want the slowest dog? And I realise in a great sense of contentment that I am the ying to his racing's yang. A reminder to slow down sometimes. He's good to me. I wish he'd let me eat some fucking flesh though. I twitch thinking about the no-cluck casserole that I'm sure to endure as we return home. My head swirls with violence. We return home and he scrapes a tin of no-fishy-dishy into a bowl for me. And I eat it shuddering. If only I could have some fucking animal in my mouth. We go to bed at 7pm because Lewis is like that, obviously. I can't sleep, angered by what I'm eating. I look down at Lewis's thorax and think, fuck me, that looks tasty. And before I know it, (laughs) I've savaged him, tearing away at his throat. I've killed Daddy. 
and then relief sets in as I realise it's just a Lewis Hamilton lookalike. <laughs> Angela Cullen comes in and throws the body on the pile with the others. A price worth paying for a vegan diet. Thank you so much, Roscoe, for that. Oh my God, Roscoe the dog. Thank you so much for being part of our show. What an absolute champion. Thank you so much to uh, Lewis Hamilton's team for uh, allowing that to happen. And also thank you to Roscoe for learning how to write. Mm. Mm -hmm. To send that into us. We were a little bit worried when the team reached out and said Roscoe wanted to contribute to the premier unofficial Formula One podcast, Dirty Air. But my God, he smashed it. He did it in um, Blinks. Have you ever read um, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly by Jean-Jacques Borby, who uh, wrote the entire book, paralysed, uh, just uh, a series of blinks denoting what letter he wanted to come next. And that's how uh, Roscoe did it, with woofs. Wow, how long did it? It must have taken a while. Uh, he's been writing that for the last sort of five or six months. <laughs> that's it for this week's episode. If you're enjoying the show, honestly, leave a comment on your podcast app because... Really helps. You know, we got a thousand downloads in a day last week. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So great. That was our that was our sort of tentative target for weekly listens, wasn't it? Now it's happening. Just before we go, if you are in Edinburgh, make sure you go and see Alfie Brown's show, Sensitive Man, which is showing at the Monkey Barrel at... Nine o'clock. And a work in progress show, The End of the Pier at the End of the World, which I'm doing for the next five nights... At midnight. Uh, which is where? The Monkey Barrel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm doing my show at the Camden Fringe uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday this week. Uh, there's a few tickets still available. Show, and, show uh, called? It's called, well, it's a work in progress. It's okay. called Age Against the Machine. Yes, I just wanted you to say that because it's very funny and I think you should be said. Because it's about how I tried to be a, a, a rock star and failed. And now you're getting old. And now I'm getting old, yes. And there's a band called Rage Against the Machine, but I'm also savaging the music industry, hence the pun. Yeah. Works on many layers. Anyway, I'm Josh Weller. And I'm Alfie Brown. And this is Dirty Air. Oh, I forgot to say that I think Zach Brown's spending his summer in a tattoo removal place. Neighbours, <laughs> everybody needs good neighbours with a little understanding. You can find the perfect blend.